G'day, I'm Osher Ginsberg. And I'm Charlie Clawson. We are two dads who, when we found out we were going to be dads, went looking for a podcast that could help us navigate what it means to be a dad in the modern world. I mean, there were parenting podcasts, but they all seemed to be aimed at mums, or at the very least, mums and dads. Yeah, there were no podcasts for dads specifically, and certainly not dads who want to be hands-on and do their share of raising their children. So... We started Dad Pod, a podcast by dads for dads who don't want to be shit dads. <laughs> Each week we share our own stories from the good and the bad to the thermonuclear tantrums, as well as talk with some of the biggest experts in the field to help all of us become better dads. So if you're a dad, a mum dad, or a dad to be, search Dad Pod where you get your podcasts. This podcast is a Tofop production. Head to tofop.com for more. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Welcome to TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson, and I'm here to present another compilation episode. We're taking another week off the show. It's uh, the middle of the year. We're exhausted. We're freezing. I just had my fourth uh, uh, vaccine, my second booster, and it has knocked me for six. I feel so bad. So bad. Almost enough to be an anti-vaxxer. If if I'm going to feel that bad, I'm never going to. No, I'm joking. But I do feel shit. I feel really shit. So we're not going to do another TOEFOP this week, uh, but Podcast Mike has been so good as to put together another compilation episode, some best bits, you might say, of TOEFOP. Um, before we get into that, a little bit of housekeeping. Will has some live shows uh, coming up, so you can go to willanderson.com.au for all those details, or is it willanderson.com? I'm not sure. Just type in Will Anderson and you'll go there. Uh, and I have a, uh, I have another podcast. Well, I have lots of other podcasts, but I have a non-TOEFOP-related podcast called Dad Pod, which is back on Acast. Uh, Dad Pod with Osher Ginsberg, me and Osh talking all things dad. And this season's a bit different. Uh, prior to the season, we sort of just fumbled away through it. It was like in real time, me and Osh um, being dads. But now it's Osh and I being dads, but then we have experts to come in and tell us what we're doing wrong. Um, so that's coming out every Thursday on Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so what have we got in store? I'm just looking at what Mike has sent me. Oh, first up, I was actually talking about this story the other day. Uh, the first story you're going to hear is when I got scammed by a fake um, uh, uh, a text from a fake Commonwealth Bank account. Um, almost was disastrous, um, but I did uh, save myself. Then did have to change all my passwords. So there's no longer did we win? We shitted it in. How we do it? Easy. Had to change that. Um, and to the point now where I don't even know how to log in to my Commonwealth Bank account. I tried to log in the other day, and it's like I have no fucking idea what my new part my login is. So I just use my phone. Thank God for Face ID. That's what I say. Um, anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy some best bits of Tofop. Starting off with Charlie got scammed. I almost got scammed by a, uh, a, a phone scam. And it was one of those things where it's been a shit day. 
pissing down with the rain, dealing with the kid, all this kind of stuff. And when I arrived home, I was sort of checking my phone as I was carrying shopping and baby upstairs. And I got a text message from my bank saying, um, oh, your net bank's been disabled. And I had been doing some, changing some stuff around on my net bank and, and doing some online stuff, which in a split second when my mind's elsewhere, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I probably just need to. So I hit this link and then I, uh, you know, put Iona down and then, it was, uh, it was saying that um, I needed to uh, log in and blah, blah, blah. And I was about to do it. I just was not thinking. And so I started like, and then I, <laughs> I looked at the, the URL because when I clicked the link, it took me to a Safari page on my phone. <laughs> and it was, com, it was Combank, but Bank was spelled B-A-N-double-K. <laughs> so I was like, shit, I hit the link, I hit the link. And um, so I... I, uh, uh, I call the bank, you know, they call their fraud department or whatever it is. And uh, firstly, there must be a lot of frauds going on right now because when you go on NetBank and you check out fraud, they give you a list of the latest frauds and it's so long. Like there's literally 40, you know, frauds currently active that you should look out for, like specific messages and emails and text messages and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, while I'm on hold, uh, I keep getting... And the other thing too is the text came from the Commonwealth Bank. Like that's why I thought it must be real because the previous messages in that thread were all legit ones from the Commonwealth Bank. So it was really well disguised. But then I start getting sent um, these prompts on my phone, text messages. You know how you get sent a net code? Mm. So it's like log in with this net code. And I'm like, fuck. And it kept like, and I was getting freaked out because it was like, Every five minutes, it would send me another prompt. Hey, dude, just log in. Just log Come in. On, so I'm sweating why going, is this like in? a – Just fucking log in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really – but it was like, is this, is this like a bot or is this someone actually kind of, you know, in Russia or somewhere? Just Well, maybe not Russia, but, you know, somewhere, like some hacker trying to get my bank details. So the guy came on and I, and the thing was because my, my brain had been so occupied with other things, I couldn't entirely remember – how far through the scam I had gotten. I knew I'd clicked the link, but had I put in my client number, you know, um, had I, cause I, I also remember I, I was like, that's weird that it hasn't taken my app and I opened my app. And then I was like, I got confused between was I using the app or was I using this dummy website that the scammers had set up. So he was running the guy. And then I started getting real paranoid. And it's like, am I actually talking to a guy from the Commonwealth bank or are they like, hooked up my phone to some kind of – because I got my phone now. They're obviously not my number. Am I talking Man, to some like – simulation. <laughs> simulation, yeah. And so um, he was looking through my – he's looking through all the bank accounts. He's like, look, there hasn't been any suspicious activity, um, so th I think it's all okay. He's gone, but it's weird that they have your number and they keep sending you text messages, so I'm going to refer you to like another fraud department. So I got referred to another fraud department. And I kept getting passed up and up the train and I was sweating because I'm like, fuck, like, have I why are they sending me to such senior dudes? I've really fucked this. And so they were baffled. They, they, they hadn't seen this was a new scam, apparently, wasn't on their, their list. And, um, one that kind of freaked them out a bit because they said, well, obviously they're aping our phone number. Like that's some kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Like cloaking device or something that makes it look like a Commonwealth number. And the fact that they could then hold on to my number and then reuse it. Uh, so they said, look, we've shut everything down. Um, we're just going to – we've shut everything down. You need to go on now um, and just redo all your passwords for everything, for your net bank, for your phone password, all this kind of stuff. And then they had to ask me my security questions. Now, I'm not sure if you remember this story. In one of the very early episodes of TOEFOP, I told about 
I spoke about having to do like a security question clearance. And it was um, back in the days where you'd pick your own questions. And when I used to play junior footy, after a win, we had this like call and response thing, which was like the coach would go, did you win? And then we'd say, we shitted it in. How did you do it? Easy. And so that was my security question like 20 years ago. And I, I told this story about how embarrassing it was. The lady was like, okay, the first question is, did we win? And I had to say, <coughs> yes, we shitted it in. <laughs> I didn't spell shitted it. <laughs> how we do it? Easy. So, you know, all well and good. And I thought that that was the last of my ridiculous uh, question and answer, security question and answers. But um, this guy's gone, okay, uh, Mr. Clausen, we just have to ask you some security questions. And I can tell you these now because I've changed all, changed it. But uh, see if you can answer these two security questions well. Both are based on popular 80s films. Mm -hmm. So the first security question is, who's the moosiest moose we know? Who's the moosiest moose we know? <laughs> Um, uh, Bullwinkle? No. Oh, great. Well, look, I would hope that you were the hacker trying to get my details because that is a line from Vacation where uh, Chevy Chase and the family are singing, who's the moosiest moose we know? Marty Moose. Who's the moose? <laughs> so the answer was Marty Moose. And then the second question, it's um, I'll give you a hint. So this is a sequel to an incredibly popular 80s film. Mm -hmm. Um, the question, uh, 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 an incredibly popular eighties film that has since been rebooted as a TV series. But the, uh, the question is live or die, man. Lethal weapon. No. <laughs> Damn it. Karate kid two in which, uh, Mr. Miyagi says, oh no, uh, Ralph Macchio says live or die. And when the guy says die, he honks his nose. He goes honk. <laughs> so that was my answer to my security question was honk. So Gemma was listening in the other room. So I got off the phone with this guy and she's like, when you just, when you just, wasn't you worried about a scam? She's gone, why were you saying honk to the guy on the, on the telephone? I'm like, because I'm a fucking idiot. And so now, like, I think maybe I'm not the only Here's one. Here's what I would say though, is this is one of those times where they're glad that they record these calls for quality <laughs> assessment because you yeah. definitely are making some sort of mixtape at the Commonwealth Bank for the end of the year. Yeah, Christmas party. For training. They're like, you know, when they're yeah. training, like people had to deal with like the weird requests that you're going to get or the weird things you're going to have to deal with. They're going to play that. They're going to be like, it's actually the guy from home and away. You're going to love this. <laughs> so now, because when you go on, they actually give you preset questions. There's like 30 questions you can choose from. Like, you know, what, where's, what was your primary school or where's your favorite holiday destination or whatever. But with those questions, are you like when you pick your answers to those, are you picking one that's just going to be easiest for you to remember? Or are you picking ones that are going to be hardest to guess for like a, a hacker? Like how, what's your rationale with your security questions and answers? Uh, e easiest for me to remember, but not things yeah. that people would know about me from. So I have, I think, a smaller list and probably you as right. well from doing this podcast, but me from, you know, obviously, you know, having written bloody columns and like been on the radio. Mm. and There's like, a lot of info about you out there. So much information about me, like, yeah, where I grew up, what, yeah, it'd be so easy to find out like, you know, the road that I grew up on from a series of jokes that I did about the name <laughs> of the road that I grew up on, you know, like wh where I was born, like what my mother's maiden name was, any of those sort of things, names of your first pets, all those sort of things have been stuff that I have talked about. So I normally have to go a bit deep on there. I'm like, 
I'm like the pitcher and the catcher keeps like, you know, going, send this pitch down. You know, I want to see the curveball and I'm just shaking yeah. it off. Can't answer that one. <laughs> right? You're going to have to go to lower yeah. on your list. What else you got? Well, then there's also the question of like how you actually, uh, you know, because you've got to be like, you know, uh, you've got to, are you uppercase, lowercase, are you using punctuation, like all that kind of stuff. And then I'm like, ah, oh, some of these answers are a bit, complex and so i'm sort of treading the line between well this is kind of not easy to guess but i don't think i still as ridiculous as it is did we win we shitted it in like the only person the only hacker who was going to guess that was someone who played under 11s football with me at the east brighton vampires i reckon and even then i doubt their recall would be that good also obscure trivia from like i mean you went karate kid to and, you know, vacation. It wasn't like you went the two biggest movies on the planet where whatever the, you know, yeah. like, what is life like in Forrest Gump? Yeah. And then someone could just yeah, say, yeah. oh, yeah, a box of chocolates, right? Okay, I'm in, right? Like, you're- Go ahead, make my yeah. blank. <laughs> bed? Well, that was is the point. Bed? I went obscure. Oh, I, I thought it was bed. <laughs> Although we do live in an era of like fan service and the 80s is back in nostalgia, maybe it was the right time to erase those 80s references from my online banking because everyone, like, you know, there's a fucking Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai TV series. I'm sure Vacation will be getting a reboot soon. And all those films, they all, all those TV shows, they're so, they just love a fucking reference to every scene and every bit of art direction, every bit of costume that was meaningless or had a minor bit of meaning in the original is now like, oh, this is how so-and-so got his hat. This isn't why so-and-so drives this car. It's like, yeah, so Marty Moose, would be Marty Moose would be getting his own series. So no, you're right about that. Like the references become more common. Also, you know, the eighties were a long time ago. You don't know how politically correct your answers are. You know, it might be who are your three favorite heroes? And you're like, uh, Mel Gibson, Woody Allen, and Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> now, suddenly you red flag. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a hoot and a holler? Jeez, I'm an idiot. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, one of my favorite topics. If you heard the episode of Fofop I did um, with Ben McClay, uh, Thomas Violence on Twitter, both big fans of the paranormal. In fact, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that maybe that should be uh, a new podcast to do with Ben. Is uh, you know uh, we dip into our respective supernatural libraries and we and we talk about ghosts and goblins and, and spooky things. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, we did an episode of Tofop where we talked about celebrity ghost encounters. Uh, I was unaware of um, uh, that some of these people even believed in ghosts, let alone had these very close encounters. Can you have a close encounter with a ghost or is that aliens? I, uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of another movie. What's a, um, what's a ghost movie? Fucking hell. Ghost. <laughs> uh, I had no idea. So many people, uh, uh, Patrick Swayze, I've fuck. Look, this analogy has, has lost me. I'm doing really badly. Let me just say, this is a very funny bit in which we talk about various celebrities and their ghostly encounters. Now back to Kendrick. Yes. So I decided to do a bit of digging online just to find out who is this Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, and I stumbled across this article, which it just made me laugh so much. And I've read it a couple of times. This is from Rolling Stone, okay. so it's like a legitimate publication. And it is 13 musicians with paranormal experiences. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> now, 
the little intro is Halloween is right around the Who wrote this article? This is uh, doesn't give a writer, just by Rolling Stone. Halloween is right around the corner, but according to some of your favorite musicians, so is the occasional ghost. Okay. Um, so Kendrick Lamar. Now, can you guess what his paranormal encounter was? I, and oh, I might give it away if he had an encounter with the spirit of a famous dead rapper. Um, did he just see the two-pack hologram at Coachella and think that it was a ghost? Because that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing Kendrick was having a big time at Coachella and then he's backstage and they're testing that two-pack hologram and he thought he'd go talk to the ghost of Tupac Shakur. Acclaimed rap artist and activist Kendrick Lamar claims to have been visited in his sleep. Yeah. By the ghost of legendary Tupac Shakur. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hologram. I agree. Other rappers, it was the hologram. Like Eminem and Dr. Dre are punking Kendrick Lamar yeah. with the hologram of Tupac. Lamar spoke of the incident to Homegrown Radio, recalling how Shakur's silhouette came to him and said, keep doing what you're doing, man. Don't let my music die. <laughs> now... If it's in silhouette, my understanding yep. of silhouette is you are completely concealed by shadow. That's what a silhouette is, right? Yeah. Yep. And so if I had to describe Tupac in silhouette, it would be like sort of muscular, shirtless, with that bandana tied backwards. Yep. That's how you that could know. literally be anyone who was muscular and bald with a bandana tied backwards. It could I, have been Dr. Dre I mean, pranking him. It could have been, but like I said, Dre's already paid all that money for the two-pack <laughs> yeah. hologram. He's already got that. Why would he even have to bother dressing up himself? Uh, this experience later inspired Kendrick mm -hmm. to the closing of the song to pimp a butterfly oh, yeah. um, uh, titled Mortal Man, which he samples his real-life interview with the fallen rap legend in 1994. Now, here's what I was going to say. I thought it was going to be when he met Ghostface Killer. No. And I... <laughs> Like, it's like, he came in to rap on your album, man. He's not an actual ghost. He was just in Wu-Tang. Uh, the next artist, Ace Freely from Kiss, has a connection to the other side. Okay, yep. Founding Kiss guitarist Ace Freely recounts two different occasions when both his wife and daughter were violently pushed down the steps of their home oh, yeah. by what he claims to be a ghost. Your Honour. <laughs> Is there a worse, more pathetic excuse than they were pushed by a ghost? By a ghost? I mean, come on. Like, so who lives in your house? And your child. Just me, my wife, my child, and me. And a ghost. And a ghost. And a ghost. <laughs> who likes to drink too much and push people down the stairs. Oh and wears star man face makeup. I mean, no. that's He doesn't. Uh, Ace said, I always had a sense that here was some type of connection with me and the other side, he explained on Celebrity Ghost Story. Not long after Freely purchased a large family home in Westchester, he noticed things being moved around from place yeah. to place. Mm -hmm. He once discovered his daughter at the foot of the staircase. Mm -hmm. Freely attributed whatever presence he'd noticed in the home must have been an evil spirit. So hang on. He once discovered his daughter at the foot of the staircase. But what? Like as in, doesn't say was she prone? Was she just standing there? Well, I assume that this, like, didn't they make said, an entire Netflix true crime series about this? Yeah, this is the original plot of the staircase. Yeah. <laughs> it was Ace Freely and his child. Um, I think that the implication here is that she's been pushed down the stairs. That right. he's discovered her at the bottom of the stairs, having been pushed down the stairs by this. Ghost. Okay, all right. Let's just mm -hmm. let's just role play. 
I call you up, Will. Uh, who am I? And I say, and you say, how are you going, man? I'm like, not great. Uh, um, am I Jim's had to, Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, you're yeah, you. Right. You're you and I'm me. Okay. Jim's had to take you under the hospital. You're yeah. like, oh, no, what happened? What and happened, I say, man? <laughs> I, I, I saw a ghost push her down the stairs. Okay, man, you, you've got to go to jail. I'll come over and I'll take you to jail. I'm not even going to entertain the thought. Straight not even to going jail. to <laughs> directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. I'm taking you to prison, man. Uh, unsurprisingly, Ace Frehley's marriage fell apart, and his daughter moved out after the incident. Um, Did she but move out, he... or was she pushed out by a ghost? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Once he moved back to the property with his new wife. What? Oh, You've got oh, like a deathly spirit in your house. You can't bring a new wife in. Oh, don't tell me she's been pushed down the stairs as well. <laughs> she immediately picked up on the eeriness without ever knowing about the spirit in the staircase. She too claims to have been pushed down those same oh steps. Oh, my God. <laughs> a psychic told Freely that his house had previously been inhabited by an abusive mother who'd murdered her children in the home. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that is the most likely explanation for the series of events that have been described. I mean, I imagine the new wife wakes up unconscious at the bottom, bottom of, the of the stairs and he's standing over and he's like, oh my oh, God, God I, you know, I told you about my ex-wife, my daughter, how they left because <laughs> that ghost pointed He pushed you as well. I saw the whole thing. You know what the interesting thing is? that, I, Like the ghost has pushed his new wife, his old wife and his child down the stairs. But here's what I'm not hearing from this description. Has this ghost ever pushed Ace freely down the stairs? <laughs> no, no, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> and I rest my case, Your Honor. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just keeps getting better, doesn't it? Uh, this next bit is a subject we talk about a lot, or a person, really, we talk about a lot. It is The Rock. Um, I noticed over the last year to 18 months that in promoting his upcoming film black adam the rock had used this tagline the hierarchy of power in the dc universe is about to change and it was so clunky but not only was it really clunky he just fucking kept using it it was so persistent and and i i brought it up with will will was unaware of it and we sort of try and break it down as a who was involved in the creation of this tagline and b does it even make sense um, I've been uh, made it through the second season of Young Rock, uh-huh. uh, and uh, as we discussed on, uh, previously when talking about the Young Rock, this is the Rock testing the waters for a pres- presidential bid. That's the that's the plot line that strings all these kind of flat. So if you can think about it like an episode of Family Guy, every episode starts with the Rock in the future, twenty thirty two, doing his presidential campaign, um, and the guy interviewing him, um, uh, he'll say like, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Hey, uh, the waiter hasn't brought our bread rolls. You don't mind waiting? And the rock's like, no, I don't mind waiting. Because when I was seven years old, and then they will cut to like a lesson he learned as a seven-year-old or whatever like that. Okay. It's a fine, serviceable sitcom. If you're into wrestling, especially wrestling from the 80s, it's pretty cool because there's a lot of kind of nods and, you know, actors playing famous wrestlers from the 80s. So it's all fun. But there is – my belief is the rock, he's testing the, testing the waters for a, a, a real presidential run. And also, as you – discussed last time he's creating his own mythology like he's turning himself into something even more famous and more mythological than he already is by committing all these stories to to public record it's what in uh, the future they will call a rockumentary 
<laughs> a rockumentary. So he, um, I think actually they even make that joke in the in the show. <laughs> uh, they, they really leave no no pun, no rock uh, unturned. Pun unturned, no rock unturned. All over this, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think you would quite like it. I think it's uh, it it treads this really fine line between. Like if it wasn't the rock, you'd be like this fucking dude. Like it's almost like a cult leader. Yeah. Like he's so earnest yes. in his belief about life lessons and hard work and humbleness and blah blah blah. And you know these are the things that you know are the ABCs of me and blah blah blah. And it's like if you weren't just the most charismatic, charming, successful dude in the planet, you'd be like fuck you. <laughs> like I resent this. Yeah, I resent luckily, this and I resent the show. He is. So it's fine. <laughs> it works perfectly for him. Uh, so. Uh, spoiler alert! Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the second season, he loses the election to become president, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting." Yeah. But I reckon he is wargaming it. Oh, like he is, he is wargaming. Okay, so let's run a scenario in which I don't win. Let's see what the reaction is. Let's see what people respond to. Let's see what the they're probably doing heaps of market research. So it got me thinking about. The Rock, and then, you know, we had that discussion about does he even operate his social media and he's so media savvy. There is a line that The Rock has been using for the last two years in relation to his upcoming DC movie, Black Adam. Now, for someone who is so media savvy and really has a handle on, like, you know, PR and Mm self-promotion, it is one of the clunkiest lines that I've ever heard anyone use, yet he persists with it. And I want your input because you're a rock fan. You also know a bit about marketing and advertising and slogans. So are you familiar with the the line he's been using about Black Adam? So every time he's promoted this upcoming Black Adam film, he says something about the DC universe. Do you know what I'm talking no, about? I don't know. Okay. So about two years ago, and I've been trying to track this online. So about two years ago, DC did one of their upfronts or whatever, and he was publicizing it. And he said, the hierarchy of power and the DC universe is about to change. And since that time, I reckon every post about Black Adam, if not other things related to DC, The Rock has said the hierarchy, it's either the hierarchy of power is about to change or the hierarchy of power in the DC universe is changing, right? It is the clunkiest fucking tagline. Like, it's terrible. It, it doesn't roll off the tongue. You sort of have to think and break it down for a bit. Then you start wondering, well, what is the hierarchy about? But obviously, this is a dude who market researches fucking everything, right? You, you, you think that he and his seven bucks guys would be like, we want to bring out Black Adam to be the biggest DC film of all time. Or what's, a, what's something that we can hang our hat on? What is the motto of this yeah. film? He even posted something a couple of days ago where it was a photo of him with the Black Adam script and he's sitting at the steps of this, like, you know, uh, of, of this uh, throne room set and there's the big Black Adam throne. And The Rock wrote this really earnest post about um, today was a big day. You know, I sat in Black Adam's throne for the first time and we started shooting this film, you know, whenever two years ago. I promised myself that I would not sit in that throne until I believed I had delivered upon, you know, the, you know, the promise of this character. As an actor, I'm like, that's fucking annoying. Like you're an actor. Like they may need to shoot the throne scene early. Just sit in the fucking chair. It's fine. You've earned it. Like it says in the script, you earned it. Like you know, it's not. You don't have to earn the right to sit in the chair. Also, like, it's not a thing. 
Like, not a thing. The, the, the bigger point for me is that it's a thing that it's you've not a real throne. just made up yourself. It isn't. You're not Black Adam. I need to point yeah. out there is no Black Adam. It's a made-up There was character. no Black Adam. Yeah. Made-up character. So what do you reckon? Because he's been so persistent. Yeah. Like, I even went online and found out that it, I'm not the only one who's noticed this. Like, it's become a meme. The hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. A, do you think it's a good slogan? B, do you think uh, – why do you think that they are pushing this so hard? Is there something beyond just selling Black Adam or is there something else underneath this? Because watching The Young Rock and seeing these posts, these earnest posts, like he clearly has this – not obsession, but he's a winner and he likes to dominate and he likes to be the best and, you know, go big or go home. But it's such a terrible, clunky – Slogan, I can't feel, I can't but think there is something else going on. Okay, so look, here's what I will say. Get the not fun bit out of the way first and then we can get to the fun of this, which it would be that this, in most of these situations, if something is terrible, like trust that there's someone who's fucked it up rather than like there's some grand conspiracy. So the hierarchy of power is about to change. Sounds okay, the hierarchy right? of power no, yeah, but, in the DC uh, universe. Yes. Oh, all right, sorry, yeah. So the hierarchy of power is about to change. If I told you that snappy. was a slogan, that's snappy. You're right. Oh, what does that mean? Like Adam's like a king. There's a like a like it's maybe it's that, but maybe it's about the idea that like move over Superman and move over Batman, like, you know, the real big hero in the universe and the fact that the rock is like, you know, not what like a, a white guy called Chris, like playing one of these characters, like it's a statement about that. It's like cashing in on the you know, that kind of Marvel Wakanda, you know, vibe yep. as well. Like, and then I think some marketing executive has gone, yeah, but can we put in in the DC universe, please? <laughs> <laughs> and then fuck the whole thing up, right? Yeah. Like, the hierarchy of power is about to change. Like, You're it's right. not that, like that, if, that if rolls A-Man's slogan easier. was, um, you know, like if, uh, oh no, uh, who's someone who has like a, um, like an iconic May the slogan. force be with you. May yeah. the force of the, the Star, Star Wars, Wars universe, universe be with you. Universe be with you. You're right. It's the corporate branding <laughs> because the, you're right. That's exactly what the problem is. Yeah. They have mentioned the corporation yeah. that does not exist in the story yeah. world. Like if it was just going to be a snappy, evocative title, it would exist purely within the world of Black Adam. But DC Universe. Like there's no it just, Batman's it, never having a conversation with Superman going, man, this is an interesting <laughs> DC universe that we all live in. <laughs> the Neil deGrasse Tyson of the uh, DC the universe Neil. is like, you know, uh, the DC universe is constantly expanding. <laughs> so I think that's it. I, I mean I think that's the most boring answer. Right. But now let's just take of the DC universe out of it. The hierarchy. Okay. What, what, so, what is the slogan then? The hierarchy of power is about to change. The hierarchy of power is about to change. It's still clunky. Like it's still not mm, the, hi- the snappiest. Hierarchy. Like, hierarchy is just not a good word for what they're trying to do. I mean, hierarchy implies. I think hierarchy is one of those like words that feels like it has a regal connotation or like that sort hierarchy. of. Yeah. But also. I wonder if it is about that idea of they're trying to launch, like Batman and Superman and all those sort of things haven't quite worked out for them in the way that, you know, perhaps Spider-Man and movies like that are, you know, doing. So maybe this is their thing of going, no, 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 no. Like we've got a new big star and this is going to be, this is not like a little 
you know, DC movie. This is like a Batman movie or this is like a Superman movie. This is like a Justice League movie. This is, you know, how big this movie is going to be. But to take it to where I think you were taking it, which is, is this a secret message that the hierarchy yeah. of power in our society needs to change? <laughs> then sure, I'm on board. Absolutely. Um, the QAnon thing, of course, is the storm. You know, the storm is gathering or the storm is coming. Do you know this? No. So basically, anytime you hear a politician, there was a transphobic uh, Australian politician that dominated our election or at least discuss discussion around this particular candidate. I know her name, but I'm not going to actually even say it because she doesn't deserve the publicity. But when she was... Uh, <laughs> Getting kicked. I'm, I'm, flattered, I'm flattered that you think mentioning her on TOEFOP will suddenly make it national Well, news. because I think this is the world she's going to live in now, not the TOEFOP world, right. but the online podcast world, because there is a good living to be made as a grifter. And if you mm. are seen as one of those QAnon people, like, I mean, look at Marjorie, whatever her name is, Thompson. Is that what her name is in America? Green. Green. Sorry. Yeah. Mar Marjorie Taylor Green. Is that her name? Yeah. So yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, mother, that's right. right. <laughs> I believe, and Tom Green's mum as well. Jonathan yeah. Taylor Thomas and Tom Green's mum, Marjorie Taylor Green, and she, <laughs> like, I mean, they there is an audience there that you can um, tap into, and so the code word is the storm or the gathering of the storm or the storm is coming. So Trump used to right. tweet about the storm and. Yeah, this particular politician tweeted about the storm. And so maybe. So hang on, are you saying that Charlie Cameron of the Brisbane Lions? Yeah, when every time when he says. He's part of QAnon. Go Storm. He's actually sending out secret messages to his QAnon followers. <laughs> uh, that's some two podcast streams bleeding into each other. But you can check out our other podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL adjacent podcast, where we do things like. Read the Twitter feed of Charles Cameron from the <laughs> Brisbane Lions. Uh, it is exclusive to the Lister app. Um, but, okay, so let's just say that they're the Marvel Universe of politics, right? Yeah. That Trump side. If Trump's coming back and The Rock is going to go into the American elect presidential election that WrestleMania that he's about to sign up for, then do they need something that is their version of gathering the storm or the storm is coming? Like, so maybe the hierarchy of power needs to change is their effort to tap into that. Yeah, I think it's just, like, like you say, maybe it's the simplest of solutions. They're just wanting to rebrand this franchise and they want to do it with a bang. And they're like, well, we need to upset the apple cart. And everyone knows the big DC characters, Wonder Woman, Batman, and uh, the other guy, <laughs> everyone knows. <laughs> everyone. everyone knows. The one who keeps Superman. Getting, oh, yeah, the one who keeps getting in fights in Hawaii. That one. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Isn't that like? Oh uh, isn't that a real fucking issue is, for the marketing team at Warner I Brothers? Can't that. I can't, oh my god! Like every day, I was like, oh, can't believe they're still writing about this story about Ezra Miller getting arrested in Hawaii. And I'm like, oh no, it's a different story. <laughs> I, I, how, I mean, I, I believe they throw chairs every time. Like, I read the same two articles. It's like, oh, it must be the same article. No, he's thrown a chair. Sorry, they have thrown a chair twice yeah. in their time as a, what is he doing? Like, is well, this, they, hate, they, hate, they sorry, yeah, I keep fucking okay. this up. I mean, I know your intentions are right. They, um, they uh, hate chairs. And you know what? I, they won't stand for it. Ironically, they do have to stand for it. Uh, 
chocolate. I don't have chairs anymore. But I was thinking about what the Warner Brothers marketing team do because they've obviously spent a lot of money on, you know, this new Flash film. They've got Michael Keaton back as Batman. So they're, you know, this and this is part of the hierarchy of power in the DC universe yeah. changing. Like they want to, who knows, they're going to alter timelines and all that kind of shit. Hey, forget the Zack Snyder universe. We're, we're, we're starting again. Doesn't help when your star is on more than one occasion throwing a chair at someone. I mean, again. He hates chairs. Just don't like take him to places where there's chairs. That's the problem. <laughs> Always standing. Uh, so Always standing. The, I, I, I will say, uh, I mean, it looks like they are troubled and it feels mm. like in that situation you would hope that somebody would step in and go, you know. Hey. I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not a good thing, but I never – liked Ezra Miller. Just was one of the, as a, as an actor, just never appealed to me. Was always shocked that he kept getting all these like opportunities because I just didn't think he they were particularly charming or funny or whatever. Did you think you were better but, better than Ezra? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I just didn't understand a a playing a superhero, but then again, I guess this is more a Zack Snyder thing. Zack Snyder saw they wanted a Peter Parker type Barry Allen. I never saw Barry Allen as being like this kind of quippy, smart-ass kid, but that's the direction they went in. Yeah, I, and- I think with Ezra Miller too, like I didn't mind that that take on, on, right. on Flash. I thought it was fun. Like it worked in those movies. It was actually one of the more fun bits of those movies for me. But um, I think the, the problem they had, both they being the people who made the movie and also Ezra, is that – like there was already a really good version of the Flash on TV. That TV show, The yeah. Flash, like that version of the Flash. I think people are like, yeah, this is a cool version of the Flash. Like, you know, he's yeah. kind of a bit dorky and nerdy, but he's also quite competent and good at being the Flash. <laughs> and doesn't throw chairs at anyone. <laughs> Does not throw chairs <laughs> in in their real life. <laughs> and that's and that's something that I don't feel ashamed about like i honestly think he's the best of us look at him i mean physically he's perfect he's a smart kind he loves his family i mean there's got to be something wrong with him i'm sure there is but i uh i'm a i'm a rock fan <laughs> i know that's a controversial statement to say about the most popular movie star in the entire world but i am a rock fan and i don't care who he is me say it I've watched two seasons of Young Rock and I quite enjoyed all of them. I feel like if we met, we'd be friends. But I guess that's the st- the power of The Rock. He makes everyone feel like he'd be friends. I mean, Will's actually met him and he felt like a friend. I remember Will saying to me when he met The Rock, he shines. He shines like well, a fucking vampire in Twilight or something. Um, anyway, I've got a new story to talk about. I don't even remember this coming up. It's only off uh, – I'm going off Podcast Mike's run sheet here, but uh, – I shared a bedroom with my older brother when I was 10. Um, my older brother is 12 years older than me. <laughs> so I was 10 and he was 22. Uh, Will was fascinated by this particular point. Um, I can't remember what we talked about, but I'm sure it was funny. Here is Charlie's brother shared his room. I had a friend who when he graduated high school or when he got into university, his dad presented him with a bill for like the last five years of schooling or something, like his high school, like shoes, books, uh, maybe even petrol from driving him to 
like foot the footy and stuff like that. But like he got a bill, he had to work off like a a thousand dollar bill from his his dad. Now I, I know it happened. I can't remember the exact figures or, or what he was charged for. But have you ever heard of anything like that where parents are like, "You owe me." I mean, my mum, we had to pay board. Like when we got to 18, we had to pay her. We had to contribute to the household, you know, like the, the bills mm. and stuff like that. So we paid board. That was fair enough. Yeah. But billing. So when when, when, when we graduated high school, we had to contribute to the household by fucking off out of the household. <laughs> that was the rule at our house. Get, oh, really? Get the fuck out. Yeah. I mean, I remember my parents were very firm about it. Like I just remember them telling me one day because we never had – any inbuilt incentives at all. Like there are other kids who got like, you know, $200 if you get an A or if you get this much on your VCE, we're going to like buy you a car or any of these sort of things. Like right. growing up on a farm, you know, we worked on the farm. We got paid. Like our parents paid us to work on the farm. So we had a little bit of money put aside to, you know, cover our first car or, you know, any of those sort of things that you might want to do, go away to university or, you know, go on an overseas holiday or whatever it might be. So, but we had to work for it the entire time. And there was definitely... Always, I remember my mum very clearly saying that it's your parents' job to raise you until you can look after yourself and then you've got to have raised them well enough that they want to leave. Like they always thought that was part of the job. Like, you know, the the kids should want to leave. Not leave because home is a terrible situation, but leave because they've been prepared to be an adult properly and you should be super excited about going out into the world on your own and making your own way in the world. And I think if my parents did one I mean, my parents did lots of things well, I think, but like if there's one thing I think they did really well, it was always instilled in us that real sense of, yeah, we'll help you and look after you. But basically once you're an adult, like the whole point is that you're meant to be on your own. I can't quite remember how it worked. I remember with my older siblings, like uh, generally everyone moved out within one or two years of graduating high school, but there were obviously like return periods and you know, my, my brother came back when, in his mid-20s and we even shared a bedroom when he was, like, he's 12 years older than me. We shared a bedroom for a couple of years while he came back. Did, he did four, found himself in Perth for four years, came back broke, needed to come home, find a, a job, get back on his feet. And then, you know, met his, who is now is his wife and all that kind of stuff. But I do also remember that was mum's kind of subject. Now, can I just say, did, did he meet his wife while he was, how old were you when you were sharing a bedroom with him? Oh, I would have been like ten, and he was yeah twenty two. No, I, right. He, he and so did he meet his? Like, did he meet his wife while he was sharing a bedroom with a ten year old? I actually can't remember. It's a good question. I, I mean, I, that's I, impressive. I say, that's impressive. You uh, like about your personality, the strength of your personality that you can woo someone to marry them when you're still sharing a bedroom with your ten year old. I honestly <laughs> can't remember him. I can remember Jamie moving out when he was 18, like he definitely, cause he had a part, he had a, a flat on Duke street, like a, you know, like a, like your, your first crash flat like, mm-hmm. that you have with your mates. Cause I remember I went to a party there once he was babysitting me one weekend. Mum mm-hmm. said, take your brother out. So he took me to a, he was 18 or 19. He took me to his flat and he had a party. <laughs> like, so you can imagine what I saw there. Like I was six or seven. And like, I remember like, and it was in the eighties and you know, he was into heavy metal and all his mates were into heavy metal. And so, it was like a lot of drinking and shit getting smashed. And I remember he had a massive fight with his girlfriend. And like I walked in on his, him fighting with his girlfriend and he yelled at me and I burst into tears and someone had to like take me home. Like it was a real fucking disaster. 
but then I, but so then he went to WA for a few years and then he came back when dad got sick. And then that period he was home, but I, it's a good question because in my mind, so dad got sick in 89, he got married in 93. So there's a four year period where he must've met his wife. He must've moved out of home, but I don't remember that. So there is a chance that he was bunking with me <laughs> when he met his future wife and she was like, eh. All right, you're cute. You're funny. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I can put up the with the weird fact that you'd still share a bedroom with your ten year old brother. Yeah, like was his pickup line. I currently share a bedroom, and I'm looking to share a bedroom with somebody else who isn't my ten year old brother. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I think you know what I think. Maybe smoothed it over, and this is why football is a mm. is a wonderful. Is she was a Saints supporter. Like they met at his work. They both worked together. They both turned out to follow the Saints. They started going to the footy together. And then me and my brother were going to the footy. He would take me. And so she met me very early on. So maybe, like, maybe <laughs> I, I kind of, like, smooth things over. She's like, when she first met him, she's like, it's a bit weird. I don't know. He shares a bedroom with his 10-year-old brother. But then she met me and she's like, that's a fucking cool 10-year-old. You're going to share a bedroom with any 10-year-old? It's that one. Okay. So are you saying that, like, there might be a chance that the reason that they are together is that you brought your A-game to those encounters? No, I I think it I think that maybe the fact that I was a Saint supporter, like you know what it's like where you can meet someone you have no nothing in common with, but they go for the Bulldogs and you're like, okay, they can't be too bad. <laughs> like we have, at least we have something in common. So maybe that kind of helped sweeten the deal. I do remember because my brother and I were really close when he got came back and you know, obviously after dad dying. You know, I, we bonded really close and, you know, we, we hung out all the time and he took me lots of places and stuff. And I remember when he brought his wife home getting jealous, like, because oh. I'd met her a few times at the football and stuff. But then I remember him bringing her home for family dinner mm. and me sort of sitting at the table and being like, what the fuck's going on here? Wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, you're trying to take this? my brother away from me. Like, yeah, and getting really kind of like, I don't like this. I do not like this. She's, she is not getting to sleep in my bed in the bedroom. You don't have any understanding <laughs> yeah. of how it works. <laughs> well, that was a story for the ages. I honestly have no idea what just happened. I haven't listened to the clips. I just, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, one more clip to go before we bid you a fond adieu and thank you for being fans of the show. Fans of the show, how pretentious. Being listeners to the show, uh, we really do appreciate every one of you. In fact, it's been a very trying time for Will and I for different reasons over the past couple of years and uh, your support both financially and just in, in general online. Um you know, the enthusiasm you've shown for the show, even after 12 years, it uh, it's really great. And we really do appreciate it. We know uh, sometimes we get things wrong and we fuck up and uh, we never, we, we, we overpromise and underdeliver. but uh, it genuinely is something that uh, we're both very fond of. And we uh, love the fact that there's an audience out there for that. Speaking of that, if you would like to support the show, you can at patreon.com slash tofop if you sign up at the top tier which is a 20 dollar tier you get an autographed poster by will and i i still have about i reckon 50 50 to give away and once they are gone they are gone so you can sign up for a 20 dollar uh level and then go back down to whatever other level you want after that you'll still get sent a poster fridge magnets I've had to dial back on. It was costing me way too much money to send them internationally. I'm happy to do a poster internationally because I think it, you know, if I can get another month out of a top tier patron listener, then that's worth it. It's worth 
the 20 bucks or whatever it costs me to send a fucking poster uh, to the United States or the UK or whatever. Um, but yes, if you want to support the show, that is the best way to do it. We have been running very meager ads on Fofop, I think. Maybe Tofop, I'm not sure. I don't really listen back to the show. And I got our financial statement for the last three months in terms of advertising dollars, and it was not a lot. <laughs> Suffice to say, thank God for listener because that's keeping us afloat, and thank God for Patreon because that is really how we pay the bills. That If we didn't have either of those two things, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for your support. Enough of my sob story. Let's go out on one um, final hilarious anecdote. You might remember that um, I had long hair for the most, well, end of last year and started this year. Really long hair, in fact. I had a fucking ponytail at one point. Um, what I didn't anticipate is when you have long hair and it falls across your forehead, if you live in a sunny uh, place like I do, you get tan lines. So I got a tan line across the top of my head, well, pale across the top, tanned underneath in the rough shape of my fringe or a forelock if you're a horse. That's a bit of horse banter for you horse freaks out there. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this, this fucking jab has really done my head in. I feel so crook and I just spent two hours trying to get my daughter to go to sleep. So I am exhausted. But again, uh, thank you so much for your support of the show. We'll be back as soon as we can, um, just taking a little bit of time out. And uh, while we're not doing shows, we're still doing Fofops. So check out uh, Adam Zwar is on Fofop this week. He comes back on the show. Uh, Adam actually came around for dinner at my place a couple of nights ago. And I was like, fuck, dude, we should do a podcast. And so <laughs> two days later, we did it um, via Skype, which is ridiculous because he lives 20 minutes from my house. But it just that's the way the world is these days. Uh, but it's a really great chat. He talks a lot. Um, about his time growing up in Brisbane, a bit of backstory around Wilfred. Um, Adam is just one of those dudes who can hold court. And uh, if you haven't read his book, 12 Summers, I highly recommend you check it out. It's very uh, funny and very moving, surprisingly moving. Not surprisingly moving. I don't want to kind of undersell Adam's skill as a dramatic writer, but um, I did not expect it to be quite as moving, but it is. It's a very touching book, very funny. 12 Summers, available now at Hatchet Press or something like that. Uh, if you go to the TOFOP, if you go to the FOFOP episode description, you'll see a link to that book there. Um, and of course, Two Guys, One Cup, exclusive to the listener app. It's been a fucking blast this year. I know there's been some bloody naysayers and shit, but uh, Will and I have really enjoyed doing Two Guys, One Cup this year. We've been, the the resources that listener have made available to us has, uh, has meant the show has changed a bit. It's got a, bit, a little bit more professional um, and we're obviously putting out clips every week as well. So go to our Instagram um, and our Twitter account to check out some Two Guys One Cup highlights. And don't forget, we do our tips every Thursday afternoon on Instagram Live. Uh, but that's it from me. Uh, uh, stay cool. <laughs> Trialing a new sign off. No, um, I'm Jalik Lawson. It feels weird with that will here. Just, Mike, just end the show. Well, I'm not sure if you have noticed. Uh, now that we are doing this podcast uh, with a HD video, I have a tan line. <laughs> have you seen this? This is one of the kind of drawbacks of having long hair. Over the summer, I was wearing my hair down, and so now I have this patch of white skin here. This is good uh, motivation for anyone listening to sign up to our Patreon so you can see the full video of me pointing out where my sexy forehead tan line is. Can you see that, the color difference? <laughs>
Here's uh, what people at home need to know. So this technology we're recording on, uh, you get the perfect HD video, but sometimes because of the nature of us being over the internet, we see each other a little fuzzy. So until you pointed it out, I just assumed it was some weird quirk of the technology that I was just getting some sort of glare off your forehead or something from like the lights. And I was like, that is a weird like effect. It kind of feels like, to be honest, that you've got like a kind of horseshoe shape on your forehead, like that's just sitting there. But I just assumed it was the bad lighting. I didn't realize that this was actually that came with your skin, any lighting circumstances that it would be there. I I only noticed this on Friday. I went for a run Mm. and, um, uh, I I had some time off. I only was in daycare, so I was like, I'm going to go to a cafe. I'm going to bloody spoil myself and actually like eat lunch in a cafe. And I noticed that everyone was coming. Now, have you me. run to the cafe? Tell me. So, no, well, let's I, run. I've, let, I've done walk me run. through this. So, did you uh, run to the cafe? No, no. So I did a I did the lighthouse run in uh, in Byron, and so uh-huh. I went up and down there, um, cooled down in the park, stretched. You know, allowed myself to kind of my my uh, heart rate to get to a, a, a more resting level. And then went for a bit of a wander through town and thought, I will have my, I will indulge myself with a lunch in a cafe, like a a bloody, Mm -hmm. like a bloody independent adult who doesn't have a kid. Um, and I noticed that people were looking at me strange, but I just thought, well, you know, it's, it's fine. I'm in Byron. Maybe it's the, it's because I, yeah, I'm not alternative enough or maybe because I'm not (laughs) Botoxed enough, depending on what side of Byron you fall on. Are you part of the original alternative crew or are you part of the Byron Bay kind of movement? I fall on neither side. Um, but when I went to the bathroom, I looked in the mirror and I realized that even though I'd cooled down, stretched and stuff after my run, that I was quite red faced. But the red had not distributed itself evenly. And that's when I noticed this tan line as well. So I had large blotches of red, but kind of ran like a Rorschach test of inflammation around my face with a large pale white dot here where my tan line is. But the thing is, everyone was polite because, I mean, they were staring, but no one was saying anything because it looked like a pre existing. Skin condition, like what's that one that Michael Jackson oh, had, the ver- yeah. ver- vertigo or vertiligo or something like that? It, it looked like I had, yeah, vert- had vertigo, of course, that <laughs> thing that everybody knows about, vertigo, <laughs> vertigo, go, go. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I'm meant to do about this tan line if I meant to even it out or, or anything like that, but. I haven't had long hair for a while. No, I own it. I think that should be your signature look. You've been talking about that idea of what's my look? How do I fit in this community? I think top deck head. You know, people can just like go, who's that guy over there whose head looks like a Cadbury top deck? Top deck head. Actually, with that. the blotches. More- <laughs> Sorry, top deck head. Who's that deck head? Did you call yeah, me a dickhead? No, mate, deck head, like top deck. deck. Yeah, they can shorten it to deck head. I like being top deck head. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm not against the idea of having a, a signature kind of look. Like, there's certain in high, you know, how like in high fashion, like generally the fashion industry is pretty terrible for body image mm. for you know men and women and, and forcing them into very narrow kind of fields. But then occasionally there'll be one like tokenistic, you know, runway model who's got some strange kind of like pre-existing condition or abnormal abnormality. It might be minor, like big gap between the teeth, or it might be like a skin condition or, or something like that. Maybe, I mean, would it be, is it too much of a stretch to think that maybe my fashion career starts now that everyone's like, you know, we've got this new label we want to launch. We want someone different. We want some cut through. We want to say we're independent. 
find me a top deck head. Has, is there a top deck head out there that we can get? And then one guy was like, well, I was at a cafe the other day <laughs> and this blotchy top deck. Yeah, well, because you are the least um, qualified person, right? Like at the moment, because you're like a white straight man, like a middle-aged yeah. white straight man. Diamond yeah, doesn't. Yeah. Plenty of them around. They've had it too good for too long. Saturated like mark. you just going in. Right. As that, that's not a good hook for you at the moment. But top deck head. I feel like that's a look. That feels like a fashion yeah. forward look. Like, you know, if you could actually get that to catch on, like if on TikTok or whatever, it became a trend of like, oh my God, did you see that guy with the top deck head? Maybe you need yeah. a sponsor sponsorship from Cadbury's top deck, right? You need yeah. to get top deck on board. You maybe get some viral money behind it and you try to make people, maybe you've got to incorporate it with a community. So what's a community? Cause that's what you need, right? You need cool culture, like normally leads these sort of things. So yeah. I'm I'm thinking decks. I'm thinking skateboarding, right? So like yeah. you know you call heads, right? Yeah. So deck heads, you could be like because you call a skateboard a deck, right? Do you? Yeah. But, I mean, I'm an I old like, man. I'm speculating. <laughs> do they still call it a deck? I think they do. But isn't there also like aren't there? I'm thinking we go even more mm. niche. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's like music enthusiasts who are deck heads, like guys who collect tape decks. Oh. So could I be? Like, you know, cause uh-huh. that's what fashion's all about. Yeah. They want subculture, subculture. Like, I think skating's a bit mainstream Too now, big. anyway. Too big. Yeah. But if I was representing, like, you know, they could market me like a uh, like a boy band. You know, they could say, oh, this dude is like, uh-huh. you know, they, I, I'm, compl- it, I'm, I'm backed by, like, big fashion, but they're saying, oh, this guy comes from niche culture. He only listens to music mm. on tape. He he's doesn't- a, he's, he's a so deckhead, and his head also looks like a top deck. <laughs> Do you think that would work? Or is it like one of those kind of um, ethical dilemmas like, you know, uh, so I've had this thing occur by accident and it suddenly yeah. grants me access to this new world. But this is just a tan line, Will. My skin will eventually yeah. even itself out. And then I have to like, I've been pretending this is some kind of like from birth, I, I had this, this this condition. Oh, no, no, no. So you can't do that. You can't. No, no, no. That's disrespectful. No, you can't be like culturally appropriating people's skin diseases. Like it's disrespectful okay. to people who like, you know, suffer from skin diseases. No, this is a purely voluntary thing that you're doing here. This is a fashion thing. It's like wearing like a, you know, at the like moment there's bikinis that have like under boob or whatever, or wearing a bandaid on your head or like yeah. wearing your headband when you go for a run. This is like a fashion thing, right? But I think that we've missed the most obvious one, which is we're thinking fashion. We're thinking breaking into the world of fashion. That's pretty hard. But what we could break into is that world of sort of angry white men on the internet conspiracy <laughs> land. Because you know how in America, like, fuck you, Biden is now let's go, Brandon, and they've all got, yeah, like, yeah. T-shirts to say let's go, Brandon, and it's their secret code to say fuck you, Biden. <laughs> like, the MAGA hats will get you kicked out of a party, right? Like, yeah. if people say, but if you want to send a signal to someone else at the party that you normally love wearing your MAGA hat and you're one of them, you've got to be a deckhead. That's how you see other people at the party. They're sort of like, you know, red to the sort of halfway through their face and then white for the rest. That makes sense too because it's kind of like you're incorporating mm. like a bit of that redneck imagery, but it's red face, white forehead. Mm. And it's and there is a bit of something about having- Well, I would, I would say let's, like let's do it like that. You've got to have your neck- 
sunburn on the neck so it's extra red. So this is what we've yeah. got to lean into. So you get out in the sun, like you've got to encourage, and this is great for us as well because it feels like we're on the side of these guys. But the yeah. other thing is we're encouraging a lot of them to get really bad skin cancer. So <laughs> we're doing our bit for World Peace as well. Yeah. So we encourage people that if you really love, you know, the alt-right, what you need to start doing is getting this deckhead look where you completely sunburn your face right up to your forehead and then it's like pure white up there that's the kind of secret signal that like pure white redneck pure white This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. Cool things for cool people.